Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Psalms, chapter 133. There will be other verses and stuff to pair with this. But uh, I could have probably put them all together as my text, but uh, I didn't. Maybe in retrospect I should have. But nonetheless, Psalms 133. I'm just going to read the first two verses, and uh, we'll go forward. Thank you to everybody that uh, helped yesterday with uh, the chili supper and the... uh, hayride and such those who have set up and tore down and clean tables and clean floors and clean toilets and and all those type of things brother fred sister sheila for supplying chili and being here early getting a fire ready and cooking all day and brother uh, mike penrod getting straw and letting us use his trailer and the list goes on and on sister uh, angie cruz getting supplies and and uh if you did something, you just need to pat yourself on the back, probably. And most people probably here did something of some sort or some fashion. Amen. And so we appreciate that today. Amen. Doing that. Psalms 133. Going again, there's, there's only three verses in this chapter, but I'm going to only read two of them. And look at that. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Amen. So we're talking about the oil that was placed upon Aaron's head and the likeness of that with with unity and how pleasant that is. This morning, I want to minister this, and we're going to go on a little trip today, a little journey, okay? I want to minister this, the smell of... Of deliverance the smell of deliverance let's go to the Lord in prayer father we need you today God I pray oh Lord touch my mind Lord this morning God to be able to share the word of the Lord God in such a manner God that would help Lord perhaps someone here today God and if not here someone Lord online or even by virtue of a podcast many days from now I pray Lord today that you're able to speak Lord through your word help us God to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost God what you would have Lord Jesus today God in this only service that we have on this Sunday morning God we need Lord food and bread Lord for our souls from the word of the Lord God to help us Lord this coming week in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and everybody say amen amen you may be seated this morning in Jesus name there are there are specific rows in life or jobs and occupations that people have that seem to have earmarked sins that go with him and i'm not talking about money i'm talking about smell sins my dad through the majority of my life growing up was a mechanic and uh growing up whenever he came home uh, from the garage the smell of gasoline oil grease carburetor cleaner those old tool cleaning bins where you'd clean the tools after a day's work. I don't remember what chemicals was in them, but I just remember if I would smell it right now, it would trigger a 
Because I remember going there sometimes to McGee's body shop and helping clean tools. But he'd come home with the smell of all that together. And he was married to the right woman because mom still yet to this day loves the smell of gasoline and kerosene and all that. And she, I don't think she ever had an addiction problem with it, but she just kind of liked the smell of it. But uh, so he, even when he wasn't at work, I mean, after you even take a shower and stuff, there would just be a hint of that stuff. You know, when you're around it and you work with it all the time, it just kind of gets a, come a part of your skin, gets in your pores. And uh, it's his daily activity. It was. So, I mean, I don't think you walk to him up anymore, walk up to him anymore, and he smells like grease. But it's been a few years removed from that. But in those days, it was part of his daily activity. So it, it, it just remained. It remained because it was something that he was involved with day after day. Uh, as a young man uh, growing up in my teenage years, and also when Don and I was first married, uh, I worked in my early years of our marriage on a hog farm. And so there were strict guidelines about uh, tempering any spread of disease from building to building. And so it wasn't anything. We would shower into the building. We would shower out of the buildings. And so it wasn't anything to have beyond five showers just at work a day and then come home and then shower again. But I'm telling you, after five, six showers in a day of working at the hog farm, it didn't matter how hard I tried, what type of soap I had, whether it was lye or <laughs> lava, or, uh, and I was trying to wash with steel wool. It just did not matter. Uh, I'm going to smell to a certain degree like a hog. It's going to smell like a hog. As a matter of fact, if we were to go anywhere after a day's work and I started to sweat, <laughs> someone might start hollering, see because it was just it was just a smell of the hog farm upon my life. I told my wife whenever, you know, we would have that scent arise uh, at home, I said, well, it's just the smell of money, honey. It's just the smell of honey. And that wasn't necessarily the most pleasant smell uh, to have around the house. But that, that just seems to be the case with certain occupations and jobs in life, uh, even through Scripture. If you think about Old and New Testament, you know, they had tanners, people that tan skins, and, and people that were potters, and people that were farmers. And, and uh, you know, a tanner within in itself, a tanner was kind of an obnoxious smell type of trade. Uh, their business, as a matter of fact, was usually found on the outskirts of town because they stunk. That was what they was usually regulated. They, they couldn't get the full, uh, the thoroughfare of the, of the city. They want you on the edge of town because your business stinks. I don't, I don't know what type of motto or what type of catchphrase that is for them, but they would usually be out there because they smelled horrible and because they were involved with animal skins, right? And they, they, they worked with lime pits and they had cod. They would cover these skins with cod liver oil. I mean, that's going to stink, folks. Just let, let's get honest. That's going to stink. And so when you put all that together, that's not very pleasant. Whenever they walk through their city after the end of a day, nobody, you know, one of the most typical things we do when we meet somebody new, especially guys, it's, I don't know what it is. It's like an identity thing. So what, you, what do you do for work? What do you do for that? Nobody had to ask the tanner. Nobody had to ask the tanner what he did for a living. You could tell by the way that he smelled. And so then you have the potter, right? When you think of a potter's house and the wheels and the clay that he works with, I mean, no doubt there's a lot of water involved too, working with the clay. And so I've read that there's clay has all kinds types of different scents it's according what type of clay you're working with some have described it as smelling kind of swampy 
Could you imagine smelling swampy? Smelling swampy or a little sulfurous with some earthy, of course. Uh, some even have, they said, a plastic smell to them, almost smelling like a, a very new plastic shower curtain type of smell. Others have said that some had a metallic because of the metals that was in the clay, metallic, you know, a wet penny. Anybody ever remember the smell of wet change? What, what that smells like, kind of having that type of smell. Farmers, of course, anything smelling like from earth to grain to the animals that they took care of. Manure. That was part of the pig farm too. Manure. Uh, you know, just keeps on a person's body. And then they say that our body chemistry, right, everybody has their own aroma. Your body chemistry. You, you, you release an odor from your body. And it is your natural body chemistry. You have a specific makeup that is a fingerprint, in so many words, for you. And they say that, though, then our lifestyle can influence that smell. That our lifestyle can influence that. And this is even more so if you think about it in biblical times. Because it's not like every day they're going to take a bath. Right? They might have their monthly bath. So they're going to have a certain smell and aroma, you know. Oh, smell of Joe coming by, you know. <laughs> they're going to have a certain aroma that goes with them. And this is even apparent in the study that we've been doing in the book of Esther, right? Whenever they brought all those young virgins in and they gave them 12 months uh, putting sweet odors on them and, and oil of myrrh upon them because they're trying to influence what they smelled like for their regular body chemistry and such. The Bible says in Jeremiah, speaking of Moab, which was a tribe and also a person, Moab is described in Jeremiah like this. His scent has not changed. Many things had happened to Moab, and he had been involved in a lot of things over the years, but Moab was the same as the Moab has always been. His scent, his smell had not changed. He had a particular scent, and it, it had not altered. And then in, in biblical times, I mean, you knew a guy was a shepherd, yes, not just because of his dress, but because he smelled like sheep. It's a shepherd that goes by. And when we read in the Old Testament scripture, the deception of Jacob, uh, whenever he went in before his father Isaac and he's deceiving his father to be his brother Esau, we must understand his deception that he portrayed in that moment wasn't just in how he felt with those animal skins on his hands and on the back of his neck, but he also deceived him in how he smelled because of those animal skins being on him. The Bible tells us that Jacob was a man of the tents, but Esau was a man of the field. That's two, two d d distinctive smells that these men are going to have on their life. The Bible says in Genesis 27 and verse 27, and he, speaking of Jacob, the one that went in to deceive his father, came near unto Isaac, his father, and kissed him. And he, Isaac, smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field. It's smelling like Esau. It's smelling like Esau should because that's just his occupation, his way of life would taint and would influence his life. And so when scripture says in our text today, Psalms 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, and it likens all of that to the ointment placed upon Aaron's head that went down to his beard, even down to the skirts of his garment. There's something more there than just this oil or this unity.
unity being pleasant and this idea of unity, this idea of when people come together and they're unified and they work together, that's a pleasant thought and that's a pleasant idea. There's more to it than just it being pleasant as an idea or being pleasant as a concept. Unity, we know in Scripture, when we look at Psalms 133, and I said this was a journey today, amen, Psalms 133, that unity is found as or like unto the ointment because of, of course, there were the holy anointing oil of God had four primary, four primary ingredients. The Bible says it was composed of myrrh and cinnamon and calamus and cassia. All of these things were distilled in olive oil and they were used solely for the tabernacle, solely for the priest, solely for the high priest. The Bible says in Exodus 30 and verse 22, this might have been part of my text too, but nonetheless, moreover the Lord spake unto Moses saying, thou shalt also unto thee Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure mirror, 500 shekels, that's a weight, and of sweet cinnamon of half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil, a hen, all right, and thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. And so all these different component, com components of myrrh and cinnamon and calamus, all these things are, are in this holy anointing oil and they are surrendering their smell and their identities to compose an oil with a smell of its own. The Bible says there was not to be another oil concocted like this. There was not to be another oil that followed this exact same recipe. It was to stand alone. And so when we think of the oil illustrated unity we can think of it in this sense in one regard as all these different spices coming together in a solitary oil they're all surrendering themselves and their identity and their smell to it and so unity is found in that because now it's, you can't just say this is cinnamon or this is calamus this is a mixture together coming together called the holy anointing oil and so unity can be depicted in that because we lose our sense of self and we become a part of one another and so it's, it's noted in that but unity can also be depicted in it being the oil that went down the head of Aaron to his beard to even the skirts of his garment the fact that the oil that was placed on his head made it all the way down to the skirts of his garment indicates then as the body of Aaron each piece had to be connected to the other in order to reach from the head down I don't put oil on, on Brother Malone's head and it get on Samantha's feet because there's no unity there. There is no connection there. But when you have a body that is connected, what's placed up on the head, the oil there is going to reach the feet. And so in that sense, unity is depicted because there is this cohesiveness. There is this togetherness from the head down to the feet. It's going to reach the skirts of the garment. And that can only happen because of the unity of the parts being put together. But today, the pleasantness of this unity might be best illustrated in the smell of the holy anointing oil. Some suggest that this recipe, when you take all these different uh, 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 weights, 20, 250 shekels of this, 500 shekels of that, when you take all these things together, they suggest, uh, doing the little conversions, that there were anywhere from 33 and a half pounds to 54 pounds of dry spice involved in this oil. Now, folks, that's a lot of I mean, you just take out your little container of cinnamon at the house and you weigh that. 
without the bottle. Ain't going to be much. Think about 33 and a half to 54 pounds. And then you take all of that spice and it is in a hen of oils about a pint. A pint of oil. Now you want to talk, I mean, that's a lot of spice diffused in just a pint of oil. There's something going to be smelling. As a matter of fact, you read in scripture, this is called sweet, that's called this. You know, there is some type of aroma. In Exodus chapter number 30 and verse 31, the Bible says that this, this shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Every other translations of, of the Bible, most other translations, I should say, rendered this phrase as this. That God speaking through Moses, right? These are the words of the Lord then. He says, this will be my holy anointing oil through your generations. And other in other words, what the Lord was conveying to the children of Israel, to the priests, to anybody who would hear, the Lord was claiming that that holy anointing oil, he said, that's my scent. That's my scent. That's my smell. No one else is to replicate it. It's to be unique. It is mine. It's, it's the scent of God, if you want. And he said, Moses, he says, I want that scent upon my tabernacle. I want that scent upon every furnishing in the tabernacle. Moses anointed everything with the scent, if you will, of the Lord, putting it upon it. He had Aaron and his sons come, and he anointed the high priest and his sons. He anointed them with the scent of the Lord because God's like, I want my smell upon them. I want my scent upon them, and I don't want anybody to replicate this. Look what the, what the scripture says in Leviticus 8. This is where Aaron and his sons were anointed in verse number 10. The Bible says, and Moses took the anointing oil, speaking of the holy anointing oil, and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. You can read it in Leviticus 8. You can read it in Exodus 29. You can read it in Exodus 30. He's going through. He's anointing the brazen altar. He's anointing the brazen laver. He's anointing the table of shoes bread he's anointing the candlestick he's anointing the golden altar he's anointing everything that has to do with the tabernacle with this oil and then verse 12 of the same chapter says and he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him and that's where Psalms is dependent upon whenever Aaron was anointed that oil flowed down and that oil covered his body down to the skirt of his garments because again God wanted amen through his man Moses everything in the tabernacle to have his sin. He wanted the life and the garments of his priests to have his aroma upon their life. He, he wanted the smell among all things to give pleasantness to them from the pleasantness that came from him. That's my holy anointing. That's my scent. That's my smell. And that was illustrative of unity. How? Because whenever you smell like God, you must be in contact and relationship with God. That's my priest, my tabernacle, my my holy place and when you he says I want my name upon everything that's mine I, I want my scent upon everything that's mine and so if that person smells like that holy anointing oil then they must belong to God there is a unity there is a togetherness between them and their God and so it denoted an association just like you smell that farmer he must be a farmer why he has the smell of a farmer upon him that guy must work at a hog farm he smells like pigs that guy over there smells swampy he must be a potter that guy over you understand what I'm saying they're starting to associate you with how you smell God says, I want that upon them if we, I know we have fingerprints and all that let's call it I want my odor print on them 
And it is. It's unique. If they did all the chemicals, they'd be able to, this is a, almost like a fingerprint of odor on someone's life. And so Moses anoints everything in the tabernacle. And then the Bible says he pours the rest of that oil upon Aaron. And then later the scripture says he even sprinkles that oil upon Aaron's sons. And so there's this connection between God. If I could say it like this, Old Testament tabernacle, there's a connection between God and his church. There's a connection between God and his man. Amen. That, here's what we must get. The tabernacle was anointed with the same oil that the priest was. Everything carried the same scent. Everything carried the same smell. You didn't, you didn't smell something different at the brazen altar than you did at the table of shoe bread or the man that was functioning at it. They all smelled the same. They carried the scent of the Lord. Someone say Amen. But as we see that these scriptures are coming through and this anointing that takes place in the book of Exodus and Leviticus as we see them, there's one occupation that would be primary in the minds of the children of Israel that they would consider their God being because they had just spent some 400 years in bondage, just 400 years in slavery, 400 years. They've been waiting. They finally cried out to God and God came to their aid. And what God oftentimes even reminds them after they get out of the, out of the land of Egypt is what? I am the Lord thy God which saved thee. Or I am the Lord thy God which delivered thee. You know what I believe? That they begin to associate with that smell of the holy anointing oil. If that's the smell of God, if that's the smell of our Savior, our minds is very quick to latch upon what he's done for us as a nation. That must be the smell of a deliverer. That's the, and so deliverance, listen to me, the smell of deliverance then was upon everything. It was upon everything within the tabernacle and upon the people because the tabernacle was there for a form of deliverance because they're bringing their sin offerings as a substitute for their sin to what? Do away with their sin. That's deliverance. That high priest is instrumental one day of the year to go into the holies of holies to what? Make atonement. Take care of their sin. That's an act of deliverance. He says, ah, I want the smell of deliverance upon you because I want you functioning in the rows of deliverance. Amen. From high priest to the church. The church needs to have the smell of deliverance upon it because of our association from God. That's what we have from Exodus 3 to Exodus chapter number 14. Our Lord is a deliverer and he prescribes a makeup of holy anointing and he's sharing it, amen, with his people. He's sharing it with his tabernacle and he says this is what deliverance smells like because I'm a deliverer. This is my oil. This is my scent. Can someone say amen? amen. And to carry it, you got to be associated with the deliverer. Upon the high priest and upon the tabernacle. Upon his church. Yeah, even the modern day church because he calls us a glorious church. We're a victorious church. We're a church of deliverance. He wanted the scent of deliverance upon all of it. Someone say amen. The Bible even says, we quote this scripture, just a little phrase of it, but look at it this morning. Isaiah 10 and verse 27. The Bible says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, it's speaking of the burden of the Assyrians upon the Israelites that had pressed them down and they had uh, really put them under their thumb, so to speak, that the burden of the Assyrians against the Israelites shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. Many of you know this phrase of this verse, his yoke from off thy neck. This is the phrase we really know. And the yoke shall be what? 
destroyed because of what? The yoke will be destroyed. The, the Israelites will get deliverance, if you will, from the Assyrians because why? They got the smell and the oil of deliverance upon their life. And so, oh yeah, they got the smell of deliverance on them. The yoke's going to be destroyed. The yoke's going to be taken care of. The smell of deliverance is upon their tabernacle. It's upon their high priest. And so if I have the scent of a deliverer upon me, then you can expect deliverance. Huh? If, if, if I have the sin of a potter, I'm going to be able to prove to you I got pottery. Huh? If I got the sin of a hog farmer upon me, I'm going to be able to show you where the pigs are. If you got the sin of deliverance upon you, he says, I'm going to be able to prove deliverance. I'm going to, if I got the sin of deliverer, I'll be able to prove deliverance to you. And watch the yoke break. Watch these things be taken off your neck and off your back because my sin is upon you. Someone say amen. When Moses brought Aaron and his sons to the tabernacle at first, he only dressed Aaron in his holy vestments. He only dressed Aaron, not his sons, just Aaron. He put on the ephod and the breastplate and everything that you read that the high priest had, the turban and the plate that said holiness unto the Lord, all these garments. I think there's seven, seven or nine different things that he placed upon Aaron. And when he got him dressed before the tabernacle, amen, the Bible says he also attached that breastplate. The breastplate was attached to the ephod. The breastplate had four rows of three stones each. Each of those stones had a name of a tribe of Israel upon on it and they were indicative they were the representation of Israel so that whenever the high priest went in before the Lord he wasn't just representing himself he was representing the nation in those stones and their inscribed names upon him and so their names were found there they were even found upon his shoulder six on this side and six on that side symbolically the priest then anytime he was before the Lord he would be bearing the nation of Israel those 12 tribes upon his shoulders and upon his heart before for the Lord but the important thing for us this morning is this he had all of that on before he was ever anointed so that means that whenever he was anointed and as Psalm said that oil flowed down from head to beard to shoulders to chest due to their attachment due to their unity to him some of that oil had to flow over those 12 stones which was representative of that nation. Had to flow over those 12 stones which were those 12 tribes of Israel. There had to be traces of oil upon them because they were attached to a high priest that was anointed. If I could say it like this, through symbolism then, those 12 tribes were carrying the scent of a deliverer upon their life, the smell of deliverance upon their life. Someone say amen. amen. Everybody doing okay? Yeah. Only one service today. Earlier in this week, on Monday it was, I needed to crawl into our crawl space there at the house. I had some things that I needed to check out. And uh, this year has been uh, peculiar uh, from other years that we have lived at this residence that I've probably seen more snakes this year in my yard right around the block foundation of my house than I've ever seen before. 
a lot of snakes going on uh, this year. I had some mold problems too, so maybe they were drawn by the moles, Brother Josh. I don't know, and I'm not digging to find out, okay? But nonetheless, because I just have an aversion to snakes. I don't really care for them. I don't want to pick them up. It's not like when I pet them and like, oh, look at the cute snake. No, that's not me. Uh, Dad always said that the, the best snake was a dead snake, and I'm not trying to get an animal activist out here, but I'm just saying I just kind of carry that opinion. Amen as well. And so I was crawling under the house to check some things out, and we also have some other properties right now over there that people own but they don't uh, no one lives there and the grass gets high and we're right next to a field and so who knows all the reasons but uh, a few snakes have went into eternity from my yard amen this year and uh, and some have gotten away and I have no pieces of their body but some of them got away but nonetheless uh, uh, I'm getting ready to go underneath the house in this crawl space and on Monday it was warm and so I needed to crawl under the house and check something out and with the uh, increased activity of snakes, the last thing I wanted, last thing I wanted was to crawl in a hole that's not very big for a man anyway and be in a tight space was something that I just really don't care for anyway. I mean, Brother Malone, it's been some time ago we had this, this, it might have been one of the trips we just took together and we were talking about, and he don't really care for snakes any, either, and then he told me a story about being under his house and meeting the snake, and the only thing he had was like a wrench, and he went to well and probably thought he was going to have to replace the subfloor sub when it was all said and done, but, <clears throat> and I'm like, I don't want to be a Brother Malone. I don't want to be put in that situation. So, you know, I do what I do. I, I, my life's primarily is filled with a lot of research. So I started researching what essential oils snakes just don't like the smell of, what they just despise. Found out what was repulsive to them. And I knew we had some essential oils because my wife on, on the side is an apothecary. And, and uh, so I, I went through the essential oil drawer and looked at what we had. And I seen that lavender, they don't like lavender and they don't like peppermint. And so I grabbed those things and put it behind my ears and on my wrist and on my ankles. I put on my coveralls and I went under there with a shovel. So I crawled in there on my belly and had to go to the total opposite side of the house. And so hoping that they don't, didn't like how I smelled. And that I would repel them by my smell. I'm glad to report tonight that I came out without any instance of seeing a snake in the crawl space. But that triggered me then doing this whole scenario and understood then that to make up for their poor eyesight, snakes don't really have very good eyesight. If you think, oh, a snake sees me, it's probably not that they see you. Matter of fact, their hearing is very limited as well. Hearing and eyesight's not very good on the snake at all. Most excellent, excellent sense that they have on them is their sense of smell. They look toward you, it's probably not because they've seen you, it's probably because they picked up on your scent. They picked up on your aroma. As a matter of fact, their primary way to smell is through their mouth. Primary way to smell is through their mouth. They have in the roof of their mouth something called the Jacobson organ. It, it gives them the smelling ability and the, the most part of their smelling ability, and it happens in their mouth. And so you'll see their little tongue go out, right? We hate that. That little tongue goes out, and it's flickering around like that. It's not getting ready to bite you. It is picking up on your scent on its tongue. Those two little forks that's on the end of its tongue, it's picking up molecules of the scent in the air on its tongue, and it draws that back in its mouth and relays that to that organ in the roof of its mouth so it can smell. And it's, this has happened very quick, I know, right? We see that tongue. Hey, man, it, it, it's picking up, uh, you know, prey, chase, 
flee, you know, the fight and flight method is going with that tongue. And so it's picking up all these things and pulling those molecules in through its mouth. It's relaying, uh, relying on the tongue, that flickering there to accomplish this. And they almost, their tongues is almost like we would use hands. When, when I was a student growing up in the different chemistries that I took, they told you never to stick your nose over a beaker and inhale. You might end up on the floor. You're supposed to take your hand and kind of waft it your way. And that's kind of like snakes are using their tongue. They don't have no hands, so there it is. I guess it's their, their tongue. They're kind of wafting that smell into their mouth so they can pick up on those molecules and what's going on. And then that Jacobson organ begins to process it, and their brain deciphers it. And this is totally just amazing to me because the Bible seems to portray so much. In Job 20 and verse 16, we don't have it up there, but for your reference, it says the viper's tongue shall slay him. And the death of the venom is not in the tongue. It says, Psalms 104 and verse 3, that they have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Because the venom, again, is not found in the tongue. It's usually found in the fangs. Their, their fangs are almost like hypodermic needles. They're hollow in the center. When they bite, it injects the venom through the, the fangs like a needle, like the end of a needle, into your body. And so we look at this, the tongue shall slay him, and, and that they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. Amen. How then can this tongue slay a person? How, how can it be sharpened? i tell you how. Because the tongue helps with translating the smells that are around it. It's an instrument in determining whether the sin is something that it needs to seek after or whether it's an enemy that it needs to retreat from. And so it will cause the snake to be drawn to whatever it is or repulsed from whatever it is, just like I did under my house, hoping that I'd have the right you know, chemical makeup under there to keep them at bay. And so with that, as I did, you can use smell against them just as much as it could be used against you. Brother Fred, this is later in the week that my mind is whirling around all this. I started one way in the scripture and God took me another way. What God called his holy anointing oil, his scent, his smell, was made of myrrh and cinnamon and calamus and cassia, all mixed in olive oil. And as I did my research and development, I read where one man who was a owner of a 20-acre plantation farm of trees from which frankincense and myrrh is harvested from say, said, we spray both these frankincense and myrrh in our homes to repel snakes. I read somewhere else as I did my research that calamus has snake-repelling properties. I read somewhere else that in ancient times that cassia was used as a repellent for snakes. It came from the same tree that cinnamon came from. Cinnamon came from the inner part of the bark. Cassia came from the outer part of the bark. And both of these things are found in the holy anointing oil and they both repel snakes. Therefore, Brother Fred, when it was all said and done, all these ingredients of the holy anointing oil that God says, that's mine, that's my sin, every single one of them sometime throughout history have been used to repel snakes. 
And he says, that's my holy oil. He says, I want that on my church. I want that on my tabernacle. I want that on the altar where sacrifice takes place. I want that on the labor that is an emblem of baptism. I want that on the table of shoe bread, which is my word. I want that upon the golden altar of incense where prayers are made. I want it on everything in the tabernacle. Why? Because it is the smell of deliverance. He is going to have a heart. The Bible says he's the old serpent. He's the old Slewfoot. If I can tonight, he's going to be hard up to want to chase when you're praying. He's going to be hard up to want to chase when you're sacrificing. He's going to be hard up to want to chase when you're reading the word. Why? Because it has his scent on it and everything, every ingredient in his scent is something that repels the snake. It Someone say amen. He said, I don't just want it on the tabernacle. I want it on the high priest. I want it upon his sons. And that oil flowed down the head in a symbolic form over the nation of Israel, those 12 stones. I want it upon my people. I want there to be a smell like me upon them. Why? Because they're going to come across every once in a while a snake in the path, an adversary in the path. And if they'll be associated with me, related to me, connected to me, they'll have the smell of deliverance and when the adversary smells that he says no thank you no that's the smell of a deliverer that's the smell of deliverance upon their life I'll go the he had the blend of a brew of victory upon them someone say amen you know how that whenever you know you smell something cooking it happens right it triggers your digestive juices it does. You were not hungry until you smelled that. And then you start getting hungry. And the saliva in your mouth thickens. Right? Because you're drawn to that. But at the same time, you walk in a house where there's sickness and you smell the smell of sickness in a house. You're like, or you're walking down an alley, alley in a big city where the dumpsters are. It's like, eh. Your stomach might turn. Some who are more sensitive than others might even prompt a little gag reflex. Because smir- smells can lure you or smells can relax you. Some can even repulse us. And here's the, here's the fact of the matter. Some smells that may, that may be okay for someone may not be okay for another. In other words, one that may draw one person or one animal may repel another person or another animal. And so amazingly here in the word of the Lord, amen, from my study and just deducing this week, the same fragrance that was a sweet-smelling savor unto God that was pleasing to God and pleasing to his people repulsed, amen, the snakes. And so God says, I want that on my altar I want that upon my church I want that where praise and prayer and the word I want that on it all because I want to repel that very thing that would if we'd not watch be a predator to us and overtake us and snap through us because sacrifice because of this has the smell of deliverance amen the enemy don't want to mess amen with someone that's deep in worship or deep in prayer or deep in sacrifice before God why They have the smell of their Savior upon them. Amen. I don't want to mess with someone that's deep in the word because they might be like Jesus and say, for it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen. They might do something like that. That's the smell of deliverance upon their life. Stand with me this morning. So 
So as here's the thing. When we continue in these practices of prayer and word and sacrifice and stay tethered to the Lord, that smell is upon our lives. That smell is upon our lives. When you get filled with his spirit, that smell is upon your life. And it is the smell of deliverance. And the devil hates it. He's repulsed by it. He'd rather bail because that's God's scent. And it's rubbed off on us. And we should take great confidence and hope today, understanding, you know what? Because I had a little bit more, a little bit more confidence getting underneath the house, knowing that I had something on me that that snake probably didn't like. Really? There's just a little, and my shovel in my hand. But just, just a little confidence there, knowing I had to. So we need to walk through this life with a sense of confidence that I have the smell of deliverance upon me the smell of a deliverer and oh how good and how pleasant it is to be in unity connection and tethered to a deliverer in my life in the time the age in which we live if we bow our heads this morning and brother mason may or may not be making his way i don't know but if he can hear my voice come a spirit of deliverance upon us because we walk through this life and there are things that rear their head against us. There are adversaries, the enemy. The thing is, he, he's, he's much in some respects. He's, he's always working. He's, he never takes a day off, it seems. There's no vacations. He's, he's always there lurking. And he's not so much looking at you or listening to you as much as he is smelling you. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have the smell of deliverance upon you this morning? Amen. Stay tethered to the church. Stay tethered to the disciplines of the word of the Lord and prayer and, and, and fasting and, and worship and, and, and things of this nature because all these things have that scent upon it. And God says, I want this scent upon them. I want this scent upon my high priest. I want this upon my priest. The scripture says in New Testament that we become kings and priests even before the Lord. He says, I want that scent upon them. I want, I want their life. I want their life to repel the darkness. I want their life to repel, if you will, the adversary. I, I want him to think twice about crossing that path or that direction. I want their life to be a boundary, to be a boundary to the antics of the adversary. I want their life to be, I want their life to be steadfast and immovable with my scent, my holy anointing oil upon them. That it would clothe them, that it would identify them, that it would be it would be a, a means and line of protection for them. The smell of deliverance upon their life. There's not many of us here today. It wouldn't hurt for us to join into this altar this morning. and Just raise our hands and say, God, I want your aroma on my life. I want your aroma upon my life. I want that scent of God upon my life it's unique it's unique there's not another concocted like it there's not another concocted like it it's unique it's yours and it's very carefully tethered and associated to that era of time of grand deliverance in the life of israel that they would have known him to be the deliverer it's the scent of deliverance i need that father 
I need that father on my life. Maybe you're like me in a spiritual way. Maybe you're like me in a spiritual way as I am naturally this year. Maybe there's been some snakes that too many that for your comfort that's come around the yard this year. Maybe there's been too many adversaries for your comfort come around your life this year. And you're like, Lord, God, I need that sin up on me now more than ever because it's lurking here, there, and everywhere. I've, I've had too many sightings. I've had too many episodes. And, Lord, I need that. I need that smell of a deliverance. I need something that's going to repulse. I need something that's going to repulse. Amen. My adversary that will make him turn, that will make him deflect. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we talk to the Lord, Brother Mason? If you have a song. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.